James, I can't, I can't do this. I'm tired. It's raining. It's 5 a.m. I, I just want to go back to bed. Get up. Do you think your forefathers would have been tired? Do you think your enemies are sleeping in? Do you think they'd care about their socks getting a bit wet? No. And for complaining, I'm adding another 20 on top of what you got left. Get up, hustle, mush, vamos! Uh, why don't you have to do this? You need it just as much as me. Because you told me you wanted to be the best, son. Now, you told me you wanted me to make you do this for your own good, remember? So, I don't want to see your lily white ass hit the chair for a break until you finish with those tyres. Don't you think this is all just a bit much? You're doing an accent and everything. Much? There isn't such a thing as too much. You can't, you can't, you can have too much mulch though. Sometimes it creates a thick layer and it's like a too much of a barrier for the rainwater to get through. That's true. Yeah, but but we know it's good for the keeping the soil cool and for healthy roots. We're just building a veggie garden, James. There's no need for this whole boot camp style encouragement. Like, what are the tires for? I thought it would make a really nice recycled retaining wall for the tomato plants. Okay. You were right. This garden's going to look really lovely and the money we'll save on vegetables. You're right, this will be good for us. Now move, maggot! For a beat there was actually a lot harder. <laughs> it's very rare that in the skit verse, my character gets to abuse your character. It's usually the other way around. I don't know. I feel like I feel like there's a different brand of abuse though. Like my character abuses you with strange situations. Your character like, abuses me mentally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Get Commanded Podcast. It's the GCP brought to you by POG Palms Off Gaming, sponsor of this podcast. Where boards are long and hair is short. I'm your host, Walt. And hello, Commander Plays. I am Iron Man. Bow, 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 bow. Bow, no, no, no. James, that's my name. Yeah. Hi. That's, the, that's his full title, actually. Yeah. You have to do the whole thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we normally do some announcements at the top of the episode. Yeah, and you're getting more frequent now. We're doing a lot of it, shit. There's a lot going on. Um, this time, we actually want to shout something out on behalf of some friends of ours. And by friends, I mean Good Games Australia who, uh, if you tuned into the stream a couple of weeks ago, you would have seen that they supplied us with the beautiful pre-cons for Murders at Karlov Manor. Which Karlov was Manor? great fun. Yeah, Karlov, you oh, got, I got it, right. it. Markov I got it is the vampire. I thought it was Markov. Oh my yeah. God, I literally... Yeah, I, that is an absolute myself. relatable experience for all of us <laughs> through the pre-release oh, of crazy. that set. Um, anyway, they are hosting Command Fest in Perth. Yeah, this uh, is the first ever time that there's been an event out in Perth. Uh, whether it's commander or just general event ever, uh, <laughs> Perth is a pretty remote area of Australia. But if you're in Perth, <laughs> I want to shout out Good Games Morley, who have a oh, hysterical so TikTok account. If if you even if you're not Australian and you're never going to play at a Good Games uh, game store in Australia ever, go check out Good Games Morley on TikTok. You might have already seen them. Hilarious! They are so funny. They've got like a, like actual thousands of followers on there because they just make r ridiculous. And skits. now they've got like there's like they started off 
off just for like two of them doing it, like yeah. the workers, and now everyone, everyone that who works, works in there the store, is involved. They're in just this. like a bunch of dorks, and you can tell there's a couple of theater nerds in there. I love it. I'm I'm like I wish I I could work there. It is brilliant, but um, yeah, it's- yeah. The ANZ Super Series is happening like alongside it. I think mm-hmm. right, Command Fest yep. Perth and ANZ Super Series is all going to be at April in April at Perth Town Hall, and uh, tickets are available now. I realized I didn't put the date of what date it was. Oh. I think it's the 16th, I believe, but you can look it up. Go to Command Fest Perth, it'll pop up. You can look it up. We've actually linked tickets through Good Games in the description cool. of the show notes of this episode. So yeah. go click that. Check it out. It's uh it's a fair ways across the country of Australia, but it'll be a good time. And um I think we can assume that those good games Morley people will be there. It, Maybe they're the reason that they're honest, finally doing a Perth thing. <laughs> I was like, I was unsure if we were gonna go, but now I remember the Morley yeah. is there. I might oh. go just to get a signature, to be honest. Honestly, <laughs> maybe we can we can make a TikTok with them. Oh my god, that, that would, would be quality. I would content. get like actual starstruck. Yeah, they're like actual TikTok <laughs> stars, actual, and, they're, they're, like, and they're like funny as yeah. well. Uh, anyway, we have an incoming transmission from the deep depths of the galaxy from the space commanders. It's time to get commanded. Competitive Commander is the most powerful way to play the format, but what does it take to breach this next level of power? And how can you become talented, skillful, and win? It's a CDH episode, and I am happy this (laughs) is my kind of episode, because I've been playing way too much CDH. (laughs) Look, to be honest though, this probably has nothing to do with me playing CDH. The Space Commanders are probably aware that we're about to commentate on an all-day CDH tournament. True, and we are doing it under the Get Commanded banner, twitch.tv slash getcommanded. Did we clear this with the Space Commanders? Look, I feel like they're they're happy with anything Commander. Okay, It's probably the thing. I think they would be more annoyed if we were commentating Commander gameplay on a different channel. They'd be like, no, no, no. Uh, As you'll We don't have a direct line to this channel. The contract that was signed in blood uh, specifically (laughs) stipulates... (laughs) Now we're going to abduct your friend. And family. Yeah, straight up. But, um, yeah, yeah, so Dockside Debacle 3 on the 17th of February. That's going to happen all day, all CDH. All just good old-fashioned, me and James hanging out on the mic. Yeah, it, it, we did a test stream of it the other day, uh, and that was really great fun. It so, was indeed. Uh, by the time, actually, when this episode comes out, I it will be tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. So, if th- this episode comes out on the Friday, it'll be tomorrow, the 17th of February. So, mm. we're probably going to be on around 10 a.m., but we'll be on all day. Yep. It'll probably go relatively late into the evening. So, so I assume it'll be at least a six, seven-hour stream, and possibly yep. even longer. And look, if you're one of those people who lives across the pond in the States and you can't usually uh, tune in because of the time that we tend to stream uh, in Australia, which is usually like early, very early morning in mm. the States, um, this might be a good one for you to tune into because I Heck think yeah. 10 a.m. our time will probably be your evening. So you might be able to Depends just... Depends on where you are in the States. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Look it, it up. 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. See what time that'll be where you are. And we'd love to have you there. It's going to be fun. It's um, going to be fun. Because... It's CDH, and yeah. that's what we're talking about today. We're kind of talking about how to... They said, like, breach the next level of power. That was, mm. like, the words they used, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. 
Um, very quickly before we get into this, I kind of want to talk about the fact that I have been playing a lot of CDH recently sure. and how much I've enjoyed it. Yeah. And just to give like some listeners out there that if they're not a CDH like if they're not interested in CDH, mm-hmm. to tell them a little bit about it then might get them interested. Yeah. Because I've really been enjoying this. If anything, it's becoming very quickly my favorite way to play Commander, okay. which is a pretty big statement considering mm. how much I love ma- like casual Commander. Yeah. But there's a few reasons why. And once you see why these reasons exist, you're like, wow, what if casual could be like that? And mm. it can. It's just CDH. And you can still have fun casual stuff happening in CDH at the table. You can. But it's very different, which we'll go into. But for me, the big hitters are the fact that rule zero is always perfect. Mm-hmm. There is never like someone underestimated the power of their deck or someone no. overestimated. Or- when there's like no holds barred, you can't bring a deck that is wrong for the table unless it's just bad. Yeah. That's the only way you can really go wrong. And no one's going to be like, how dare you with your bad deck? Everyone's um, like, thanks. I got a win out of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, I think the rule zero thing being always bang on is such an appeal for me with CDH because especially when I play with a lot of new players, um, I find that I'm often like really, really trying to push our rule zero template Mm. on them. And I feel like it, I just, I think it's so important to casual commanders to get it right. Yeah. Whereas in CDH, you don't need it. So it's like, it's always going to be good, right? It's true. CDH is kind of like if you could play every game of commander and have had a perfect rule zero conversation. Exactly. So every single game is perfect. Even. Me and James, you know, uh, avidly steering the the ship that is our Rule Zero template. We cannot always navigate the murky waters of Rule Zero, and we still end up in games where we get blown out, or yeah. we end accidentally blow out somebody else because our deck is actually slightly too synergistic for the pod. That always feels really bad, always feels really way. bad, especially <laughs> when you host a podcast. Yeah. And just like, let me show you what Sorry. I know about Commander. I just kicked you in the nuts there, yeah. didn't I? Sorry about that, pal. But um, it's appealing about CDH is that you just don't have to worry about it because it's accounted for. Yeah. You you can just get straight into the magic and whatever happens is what happens. And there's kind of no reason that you would feel bad about it. No, that's like... I knew what I was getting in for. Yeah, feels bads in CDH shouldn't exist. And we'll go into why they shouldn't exist later. There's actually a little bit more reasoning behind that. But the other reason why I love it, it's powerful. Mm. Playing powerful magic is just fun. Yep. Um, you know, casting, you know, like a rampant growth, it feels good. But casting a mox diamond or something like mm. that, that feels unbelievable. Yep. Um, it's complicated. The, like, if you want to stretch your magic muscles, CDH is definitely a place that you can go to, like, train up. Mm. I think it, the complexity and the layers of CDH makes it so interesting. Definitely. And I actually have really enjoyed playing to win. Mm-hmm. Um, not the content creators, although I really like them, but <laughs> I've really enjoyed... The focus of casual for me is always about having a good time with friends. I think mm. that's the the biggest focus. Yeah. And I love that. And mm. I think that's the best part of commander in a whole is yep. having even with cdh the best part is still having fun with friends it's still the pod yeah, yeah. it's still playing and being into it's the gathering of magic right? yeah but with cdh i have like found this new desire to win like i think mm. out of the two of us recent like in past years you've been more spiky than i have with you know you got into pauper and started mm. looking at metas and stuff like that mm-hmm. this is my version of that it's this is where sure. i can get my Competitive spike energy out. out. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. So sense. I guess that that's like the main reasons why I love CDH. So if you're, if you find that attracting, strap in. We're going to go into how you can actually get into CDH yeah. by the sounds of it. Definitely. Definitely. And look, like, yeah, I enjoy CDH for a lot of the same reasons. I guess I, I just deviate naturally. I, I'm, I'm such a brewer 
of decks mm. that I will always deviate more towards casual because I feel I have more capacity to brew in casual. Yeah. I'm not going to say you can't brew in CDH. I know I've said that before, um, but I've been told I'm wrong. <laughs> you um, are wrong, actually. <laughs> I am wrong about that. That's totally fine. Um, but you cannot deny that when you brew a CDH deck, there's a certain percentage of cards you kind of are wrong to not play. There are staples for sure. There are absolute staples yeah. of our format and you're kind of silly to not include them. Like, you know, if you don't play a demonic tutor in a black deck, what are you doing? Um, Correct. Whereas in casual, I can play whatever the hell I want. And yeah. so I have 99 cards have to choose instead of 50 cards to it's choose. more freedom for yeah, sure. Yeah, a lot more freedom. Um, all right, I reckon to, before we go into like how to actually get into CDH, there's a couple of general assumptions that I think we're going to make about you listening to this episode. Sure. Like for the purposes of this, we're going to assume that you're already a commander or a player. Um, you're already getting pretty good at it. And mm-hmm. by getting good at it, I mean you have a strong grasp on the major rules. Yeah. Maybe an understanding of how some of the more intricate rules work. Mm. Maybe you've built a few decks. You're starting to sequence plays a little bit better. Um, in terms of rules, I think there's a couple of like prerequisites that I think are key ones to have under your belt mm-hmm. uh, to understand. And I think that's the stack and priority. Oh, yeah. Big um, time. That's a really big one. You need to understand exactly how that works. Um, active player versus non-active player. Mm. And also how those things interact with each other. So how, yeah. how does the stack work when active player versus non-active player is important to that stack. Mm. I think, like, this is the kind of thing where, theoretically, all these rules are in casual. They're just so much more important in CDH. Well, they're shortcutted a lot in casual. They are. It's kind of like, you know, a board wipe gets put on the stack and someone can just go like, oh, does anyone have anything for this? And it's like, no. And then it's like, okay, we'll just resolve it. And it's like, okay, if you're playing CDH and you're taking it seriously, when that gets put on the stack, you need to go to the next player in turn order. To approve it first. To approve it and then pass to the next and then pass to the next because it's actually like really important that someone doesn't blow their protection spell or their counter spell before they should mm. and yeah as we'll get into later when you get very good at cdh you can bully people into interacting yeah. with the stack by pretending you don't have anything we'll get into that but, but um yeah you need to understand the stack you need to understand when you have priority definitely exactly i think they're the prerequisites Absolutely. they're like the two Absolutely. key ones um and in terms of another general assumption we're going to make is that you have a general idea of what the heck CDH is anyway. Yeah. Um, obviously, we've we've covered this before. When I say we covered it before, it was a very long time ago. Mm-hmm. Episode 13 of our podcast. I cannot believe it was that long ago. It does not feel like that long ago. But yeah, what CEDH isn't was yep. that episode. We basically just did a bunch of myth busting about what a lot of people who play a lot of casual commander think CDH is mm. compared to what we feel it actually is. And our experiences with it. Our yeah. experiences with it. And also, you know, the wealth of data out there to illustrate what it's actually like. So yeah, certainly if you're brand new to CDH, probably start there because this yep. is going to be more like how you actually get into it. I think if anything, there's a couple of things in that episode that I personally believe are outdated opinions of mine. Yeah, I'd, look, um, listen to that one first and then listen to this one. And every time we talk about something we spoke about in the last episode- Take our advice now. Override it. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically every episode of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> our opinions change. We're fluid and adaptive men. Yes. <laughs> and we'd like to think that we are improving over time. Yes. So hopefully our current opinions are better than the ones we had back then. I think so. But but there was like a big thing that we landed on in that episode that uh-huh. I wanted to highlight. Sure. And it's what CDH is. That mm. was like the whole point of that episode. Yep. And we found that CDH is a metagame and a mindset where all strategies are accepted. Mm-hmm. Decks majority, major, ma- majorly, majorly can't read, <laughs> affect the game as early as turn one. Mm-hmm. Players only make plays that help them win. And proxies are encouraged, which, by the way, thank 
God that that's a thing <laughs> in CDH. Or we would all be about $5,000 less money. Or actually, more realistically, not playing CDH. I have one real CDH deck and yep. it's still not done. Like, no. I I've got a lot of money sunk into that Definitely. thing. Definitely. But that, so that description is from cedh.guide. That's mm-hmm. the full URL, by the way. You can yeah, type you in cedh.guide. It will take you there. That's a really, really great resource on there. But yeah, th- it's basically just trying to, it's, it's, Pairing CDH down to its absolute essentials. Core, core values. Yes. Of you, basically, yeah. You cannot take away any one of those dot points and still call it CDH because CDH is not CDH if proxies are not encouraged. Yes. I'm, I'm sorry, but if only people who have $5,000 can play CDH, that's not CDH anymore. No. If players are, are not only making plays that help them win, we're not, not playing CDH. to win, we're not playing CDH yeah. anymore. If all strategies are not accepted, we're not CDH, like, et cetera, right? Like, yeah. this is the, the core building box, of- the foundation of CDH. You can't yeah. have CDH without these four things. And I recommend going to cdh.guide and reading. They've got a, like a philosophy document, very similar to the philosophy document yeah. of Commander. Yeah. Um, they've got like a separate one. It's a pretty well-maintained document and it kind of goes into a little bit more about what it means to only make plays that increase your odds of winning, for yep. example. Yeah. Um, Look, if you're not quite at this level yet where you have this understanding and you've got, you know, these, you know, you understand the priorities and skills Mm. and all that kind of stuff, like all those intricate rules. We actually have you covered. Uh, Episode 65, we did an episode called Learning to Play Magic the Gathering. Mm -hmm. And we basically did four levels of how to get into Commander. And I think that that's kind of what we should do as an extension for this episode. Mm. So, like, if we did four levels to, like, getting into Magic, getting into Commander. I guess mm. CDH is level five. Okay. It's, like, the next step up. Yep, I, I respect that. It's, certainly in terms of if your goal playing Magic is just to improve in skill, CDH is just the next way to do that in Commander. Mm. Um, I guess I want to be clear that I don't think to be a master of commander in general, you have to do level five. No. Like, maybe this is like, you know, when you like, um, <laughs> I'm going to use the Fire Emblem example here. Okay, you you've know? been obsessed <laughs> with that game. Are you still playing I'm it? I'm still playing okay, it. Right. I'm like 40 hours in and I'm like not even close to the Jesus. end. Um, when you finish a game of, of Fire Emblem, and there's a lot of games like this, and then it, it's like, you can go and play through the, the campaign again, but it'll you'll have bonus abilities, and you can try and gold star every level. And the like, enemies will be a little bit harder. Yeah, like, you know when a game kind of offers you that ability to, like, play it again, but with extra bonuses and extra prestige on offer? I remember Ratchet and Clank did that, and yeah. I was obsessed with that. I want to call this, that. that's what this level five is. It's yeah. not, it's, it's like a DLC. It's like a DLC add-on to the yeah. campaign you can you know still finish ratchet and clank and get on level five four in other words you can play commander you can do all the things you did yeah. up to level you four you can defeat quark you, you are still a master of commander and we respect you and you're amazing but if you really want to test your skill yeah download the dlc yeah <laughs> fight quark again 1499 yeah. on the playstation <laughs> store um level five let's I, do it i would also say that we just recently on a hot takes episode we said that we would encourage strongly for everyone to try cdh at least once didn't we yep that still was something yeah still stand by so like if you don't like it move on and like you can get to any of these i reckon we're gonna have to do this in like sub levels like level 5.1 okay like, um, like we did before like yeah level i think two, yeah. i think you could get to any of these sub levels and realize it's not for you and just walk away that's totally, totally fine. fine and we will respect you so much more for not liking cdh if you've given it a legitimate go and you understand why yeah because there yeah. are so many people with these like you know scathing hot takes online about like oh i don't like cdh because um everyone always wins and goes infinite on turn two and it's like 
that you don't ha- you haven't played TDH. Yeah, you haven't even watched any content. <laughs> no, you? No. you actually know nothing about it. So yes, please be an informed critic if you're going to be a critic. <laughs> yeah, and same with uh, CDH players that haven't played casual in years. Yes, come back to casual. Have a have a squeeze at this. Definitely. All right, so. Level five, I think we have to do this as level 5.1. Uh-huh. Um, I would say that level 5.1 in breaching the level of power that is CDH is understanding exactly what you're getting into. That makes like, sense. I think we have a preconceived idea and a general assumption that the listeners that are listening to this want to play CDH. They mm-hmm. have a general understanding. But do they know the decks? Do they know the staples? Do they know the meta, the latest top 16 results? Those Mm. kinds of things. And look, you don't have to know all of that stuff. Like top 16 results, you don't have to immediately know tournament results when you're getting into CDH. But this is kind of like the realm I'm talking about when this is like the next level. There's Mm. lots more to consider about this. And I think it's a good idea to look at the water you're about to dive headfirst into Mm. and check if it's deep enough for you. (laughs) Um, There's like, if if you've ever been to an Australian beach and you've gone out to the rocks, there's a million signs being like, no diving. Don't dive, don't dive, Uh, don't dive. Check the water before you jump uh, into CDH. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It's also just going to let you make a more informed decision about how you jump in. Like, Mm. you know, if, if we start with the decks, like if you go to the CDH decklist database, which this yep. one is also a great URL, cdh-decklist-database.com. If you ever forget any of these URLs, they're all in the description. But uh, you can check out all of the decks that are considered in the meta, mm. updated with primers often. Like these are the absolute top decks and they will give you everything you need to pilot this deck yourself. This is going to give you such an idea about what CDH actually looks like. Yeah. When, you, when you go and you look and you see that like, oh, okay, you know, Thrasios and Timna... Uh, plays this particular way. Like, this is like the cards that those colors will always include. Yeah. Even just like, you know, flicking through, you're like, okay, I love playing Selesnya in in Casual Commander. Mm. What does Selesnya look like in CDH? There's yeah. actually a filter at the top left of the screen. Yeah. You can filter to colors. Mm. And then you'll see all the Selesnya lists. And yeah. you can go, okay, well, if I want to play Selesnya in CDH, I'm playing stats. <laughs> like, and I'm playing combat-based <laughs> damage win cons. Like, yep. And if you go, okay, well, what does Grixis look like? Maybe I'm mm. a bigger fan of James on Get Commander than Walt. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at what Grixis looks like. Okay, it's running things like, you know, Dark Ritual and yeah. Ad Nauseam and things that yeah. are like really turbo-y. So mm. it gives you an idea and you might even start to get a sense of what you might want to play while browsing the decks. Yeah. You I- might be getting a step ahead of yourself. Definitely. I mean, I was very fortunate and had someone I knew who was into CDH when I was getting into it and who had played a lot of it. And I was like, okay, I kind of want to play white. I want to play stacks. In this CDH. wasn't me, by the way. This no. was a good friend of ours called David. Yeah. Who, shout out David. He's a bit of a king on the Australian CDH Discord. So. Yeah, great guy. Um, And David was like, okay, here's some like white-ish decks. And then was like really honest. And I was like, okay, look, I'm not that interested in combo. And he was like, okay, well, remove like three of my recommendations <laughs> because they're stacks list, but they still win with a combo. And yeah, ended up landing on the big pig, Yashan, Implacable Earth. He's um, a big pig. Yep. As just like a straight stacks, you know, it wins yeah. with, mostly with combat damage. It's got one infinite combo in there, but it's not something you're fishing for. It's just it a way to end for the game. Either, really. you it's can. an enlightened tutor can get. Either and quarter falling. That's There's true. like okay. it, it can be you done. Can tutor it. it can be done, but it's not recommended. Like I remember, like sending David. I was like, "Why is this tutor in the deck? It only tutors three creatures, and two of them have to go back into my library." And he was like, "You just find three creatures that have rule of law on them, and then you nobody don't have gets a to choice. choose." Yeah. <laughs> 
And I was like, okay, I thought this was like Fishing for Infinites. But no, it's not what you do in Selesnia, in CDH. But not, yes, in, not in that deck anyway. No, but it was really good going to the database and going through. Like he was like, okay, you might like um, Oswald Fiddlebender. That's so a sick I, like, deck, yeah. Clicked on Oswald Fiddlebender is a mono white um, Staxi artifact based list. Much more combo focused. Much more combo focused. He's basically Birthing Pod um, in yeah. the command zone for artifacts. It's, for artifacts. it's a wild deck. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I went and flicked through the deck and I read the primer and I read through the little. Um, most of the decks have a little description also on the CDH decklist database before you go anywhere else. Yeah, it's, it's like just a blurb. Like, yeah, like literally like three sentences. Like yeah. Oswald is a flexible stacks de- uh, list that uses things to go infinite. Like let's have some mm. description like that. And it was really, really good for me to be like, oh, okay, I see what that, where that, that deck's about. That's not what I'm going to want to play when I come to CDH. And even just like understanding what you don't want to play. It makes you aware of what you'll play against because, yeah. like, the CDH database is basically a very well maintained meta of CDH. Like, there is three levels to the database there's mm. the competitive decks, there's the brewer's corner, and then there's like outdated decks, things that mm. have like fallen off the, the current meta. So, you can actually go in and look at all of those levels because you might find something in the brewer's corner that you're like, hey, this is pretty sick. Yep. Might not be established yet. It might be a new commander that's only just come out, but yeah, check it out. I think to go one step further, you could actually go to EDH Top 16, which is a, a website that like combines a bunch of tournament results from CDH okay. tournaments. Yep. Um, this is something I've been looking at a lot recently to understand exactly what the matter is because- sure. Surprise, surprise, Timner and Crom right at the top yep. with like 200 and something wins at the moment. The Blue Farm. Blue Farm. You'll you'll learn. You'll learn. <laughs> um, but basically, like, it looks at all of the tournaments that are run globally. Mm. It puts all of that data into one place. And you can see, like, the top 10 decks right now. The top 10 performing decks right now are right there for you to choose from. Mm. So, if, you, if you're looking to win, yeah. maybe go to that website and just pick a deck from there. This is also just a great way to get your head around any format. Like, if you're getting yeah, into, into Pauper and you just... Just look up the Pauper MTG meta. Top 8. Yep. Great website. Yep. There's also... Uh, MTG Goldfish, I think, do the do the meta as well. They have like a meta breakdown of the decks that are pl- being played a lot in I the meta at the moment. I use that for my standard decks, MTG Goldfish. Yeah. Yep. It tells you what percentage of the meta certain decks are. So, like, it'll, it's going to tell you what the shape of the format is in terms of, like, who's, you know, going up against who else in terms of the decks that are there. Uh, also, will tell you how even a format is. If the if the most popular deck has a percentage share of the meta that's, you know, 10% or something, that's telling you about a meta that's really balanced, yeah. where there's actually lots of things that are viable. But if there's someone with like 30% of yeah. the meta, like 30% of the players playing this format right now are playing this deck, card for card, mm. that's an unbalanced meta. That's That's got a king... Yeah, and that's also going to tell you that if you're going to get into this format, you're not only do you have to consider playing a version of that deck, if you're not going to play that deck, you have to have answers for that deck. Almost a perfect counter for that deck. Yeah, this is the other thing you're going to learn from EDH Top 16 is like, okay, if I'm going to play a stack list in 2024, um, I have to know what kind of decks I need to slow down. What Um, stacks pieces are the best to silver bullet? The yeah. other people. Yeah. So I can tell you, for instance, that my the person who, who keeps my Yashan um, list updated on the database has gone a lot lower on rule of law effects. These are the ones that um, mean players can only cast one spell a turn because a lot of the top decks at the moment are really good at playing around that and actually don't really care about having to cast one spell per turn. It's and so they come out of the deck. Yeah, it's kind of wild, this mid-rangey era. Mm. Uh, we'll go into that later, but sure. yeah, that's, that's interesting. But yeah, I think the next thing to look at 
um, when you're like understanding what to get into the format and what the format looks like, the decks is great, but then start to look deeper and look at the specific cards. Mm. So obviously you can have a look at these cards by going through deck lists, Mm -hmm. but you know, you need to understand a pool of cards that is pretty significant mm. across many decks. And going through deck lists might just not be the way to do that. Yeah. So I found a really easy link for you to go into. There's a Moxfield list that's really well maintained. Um, it's like got a report on it that's every couple of months or so. It's like a CDH staples list. Mm. Um, it's got a report that's posted for rationale on Reddit and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that shows you all the staples currently in the CDH meta. Mm. And it's actually surprisingly small because of the like specific lines that you're trying to do and the best thing to do in the format is Mm. xyz you need to be playing xyz it's actually pretty easy to go okay i understand everything now yeah because like if you're a casual commander player you should by now understand what all right i cast swords targeting your commander means Mm. you know someone is casting swords to plowshares and you're hitting someone's commander yeah that's the target that's being declared yeah you understand how that works but there are cards in cdh that are very old Mm. that are like the physical card has been oracled and reads completely differently now yeah you need to understand what someone's means by saying i cast dc yeah or what they mean when they say i want to resolve necropotence yes you know you like gotta how understand that's what that be card, and also what that what kind of effect that has on the game as yeah, well yeah like, totally well I, I think yeah th- th- this is gonna be a really w- great way to do it that moxfield list is a really good place to start i also want to shout out a feature on moxfield which is the packages feature mm. um moxfield has this uh, these lists of cards that are maintained as a package that can be inputted into a deck if you're just building a deck for a format. And they're basically just staples, right? Yeah. So, like, there's a mana base for a five-color CDH package. Yep. Puts all the jewel lands in for you, puts all the command towers, all the fetchable jewels, all yep. that kind of stuff. There's a package for... There's probably, like, a CDH tutors package and a CDH mm. um, uh, removal package, an interaction package. And so, yeah, those are all really well ma- maintained and will also give you a really good idea about what people are playing in their decks. Yeah, I think that just going through the list I've linked in the description might be a good place to start definitely when you're and i think this is the next tip is actually have a look at the gameplay Mm. um i think if you understand the gameplay and you're you're looking at looking at people playing it you'll just get an idea of what cards are being played and then you get an understanding of the impact of those cards the impact is a huge one here where it's like yes you can understand how rad nauseam rad nauseam i keep saying rad (laughs) there's a server in melbourne called rad nauseam for cdh ad nauseam is the card i'm talking about you can know how ad nauseam is resolved but you also need to understand how much it can warp a game around it and watching people play commander is going to be the best place to do this where like you know if someone casts ad nauseam and you have the ability to hear the plays in the game there's always a big intake of breath you know yeah. like a, oh god Ooh, what are we gonna do about this well, we had a, an amazing teaching moment on our stream the other night we mm. did like i said before we did a practice stream of the dockside debacle tournament so yep. we watched four players and we commentated on them and there was a couple of people in chat that were brand new to cdh and they were like okay what does ad nauseum do when we were talking about it and then shortly after someone tried to resolve an ad nauseum and we basically just said okay watch like yeah, look at what happens impact. because like that player put like 12 15 cards in hand might have been more and like won 20, the yeah. very next turn like it was mm. it was one of those um, immediate 
uh, like effects of resolving that card led to a win. Yeah. Um. So yeah, watch watch gameplay. I think the best thing for you to do is either jump on our stream tomorrow night, uh, <laughs> watch a bunch of watch watch a bunch of pl- like really good CDH players play, but. At your LGS, there is probably a group of CDH players there. Mm. Um, it's more common than you would think. I yep. think um, a lot of people think CDH is like this weird niche thing. CDH is now getting a little bit bigger and people are engaging with it a little bit Especially more. Especially in Australia. Yeah. It's definitely becoming more of a staple expectation at game stores now. Mm. Um, never used to be that, but it now is. Um or watch YouTube. There's like gameplay everywhere. There's so like so much great gameplay out there. I mean, you you shouted out Play to Win already. Yep. You t- talk about them all the time. They I'm, are fantastic. I love those guys. At Huge the moment. fan of Play to Win. They managed to bridge the line of like taking the content really seriously and making sure that the gameplay is really clear, but also having a fun bantery vibe, which mm. I think is the best ad- advertisement for CDH because that's what it's like actually yeah. to play CDH. A lot of people think it's very high stakes and very stress inducing, whereas yeah. you you are still playing Commander with yes. three of your best friends. Like, And look, I, I like playing with power a lot yep. for the content they do, but I do think they do exemplify this way of taking CDH that makes it seem like this like upper echelon that's impenetrable and you know complex and all this stuff. And it's like, yes, scientific. It, it, and, it yeah. is that, but also it's still just fun Commander that you're playing at a kitchen table. Yep. But playing with power is really great content if you just want to understand the cards themselves playing with power is a really great place if you want to watch quick content they edit it super super quick as short as it could possibly be um spike feeders are they obviously play casual commander as well but their cdh content is always really great jim Jim is is always hilarious yeah and a great authority on cdh content for Uh, sure i would also recommend um i've been trying to watch uh comedian mtg a little bit more Uh, comedian comedian yeah i think uh he's a very good cdh player and the reason i'm watching him at the moment is because he does tournament results and like breaks down CDH metas and stuff like that, which is a little bit higher level than I think playing with power or play to win where they're just more about making content. Mm. Um, This guy like is talking about like recently in Chicago, this competition was held and like all this kind of stuff. So he's aware of it. I'm really, really interested in that kind of stuff. But yeah, I genuinely think the best place for you to start is just by exploring. And that's like level 5.1 is understanding what you're getting into. Yeah. Have a look at the decks, have a look at the cards, watch some gameplay that's step one. That is genuinely point one step of level five of Commander is just understanding exactly what you're about to dive into. Definitely. And that took us 33 minutes. So yeah. I think it might be time for a thrifty interlude. A little break. A break. A break. A break. Just calming down now. Break. <laughs> Relax. It's a break from the <sighs> high stakes magic and yeah. a return to very relaxing. Should we, should we do it like magic. NPR? I we think can, we should talk about we it. Should exactly do it like NPR. And be really we look at the thrifty interlude. Um, let's not do thrifty that. Card. That's freaking me out. Um, <laughs> I hope that sounded like that would have been safe. If you're listening to this with headphones, I apologize. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, <laughs> look, there's a lot, lots more CDH to talk about, obviously. We're going to have a little something about a thrifty card. And as a tradition, I will be performing a monologue. And this week, it's the Cowled Merchant with some new wares. James, would you like to read the card we're featuring this week? I sure would. You do. You go above and beyond with the card choices in Thrifty Thursdays. Mm-hmm. I think this card could see CDH play in a very particular meta. It's about <laughs> as close as you can get. With, with Thrifty Thursdays. With Thrifty Thursdays <laughs> to a CDH card. Uh, this week's card is Compost for one and a green. And you get an enchantment that reads, whenever a black card is put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, you may draw a card. 
Ever wanted a big stinky trough? Also want the stink to be a good stink of useful stinky things instead of a boring bad stinky bad stink of useless stinky matter? I guess we're all stinky matter at the end of the day, but some of the stink matters! Introducing the good stink of the future, composed entirely of the yet-to-stink of the past! Don't think too much about it, or the little men in the trough won't eat the bad smells! It hasn't been this good to be stinky since you were small and you refused to have a bath! Can small people get away with not bathing when asked, even when they're all grown up? That's it, I'm shortening my legs, and I know exactly where I'll be disposing of my ankles! Get budgeted! 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 budgeted. Man, the cow merchant's on something there. Uh, he's on a, yeah. Even for him, that's pretty weird. Like, he's sold some weird <laughs> shit in the past, but, like, actual compost. Yeah. He's uh, reaching new lows. The good scraping the bottom of his barrel. <laughs> his trough, you might even say. Um, you can see those uh, in text form every Thursday in the Greensboro Commander Community Discord server in the Thrifty Thursdays channel, if you enjoyed that. Uh, it's also just a good place to hang out. Yeah. All with us and our friends and Yeah. Stuff. Good place. We, um, we were talking about something. We, we were. CDH. Yeah, uh, we, we spent the first level half 5.1. <laughs> talking about, like, just becoming aware of uh-huh. what the format is. So I guess 5.2 is actually taking the plunge yeah. and start playing. Um, look, I think when you start playing, you can borrow a deck. I think that's, like, the most common way for a lot mm. of us to get into Commander is borrowing a deck and yep. trying out something like that. So, yeah, mm. ask if someone doesn't mind borrowing... Are you borrowing their deck? Yep. Keep in mind, a lot of them will be proxied up, so they're not Mm. that bad. But some CDH decks are very expensive, so just be careful when you're handling them. Definitely. Um, But yeah, I think that, like... CDH is like pretty complex to jump into uh, and it can be a pretty big jump from casual to CDH. I think that that jump mm. is often not defined. So yeah. even let your the person you're borrowing the deck from maybe even co-pilot or coach mm. you while you're playing it because it is different. Like you could like uh, now that you're a great casual player, you could grab any casual deck, you could throw down, you can pilot it yourself, you can figure out your lines. Yep. CDH Requires a little bit more. Yeah. You're going to need to, you know, th- there's a reason they tell you to read the primer <laughs> before yeah. you play a deck. But certainly if you're borrowing a deck from somebody else, they can be your primer. Yes. And just having a coach is super, super handy. Definitely. Look, I, I think once you've had that first dose of CDH, like you've played, you've, especially if someone's given you the rundown of like, okay, this mm-hmm. is how the deck works. This is what happens. Then I think it's time to pick your first deck. Yeah. Uh, I think you shouldn't spend too long just borrowing other people's stuff. You should no. jump in and find what you enjoy pretty quickly. Yes. And I guess we should be clear here that we're picking a deck and not building a deck. Mm, good it- catch on the words there. <laughs> picking, not building. It is possible to brew for CDH, as we said earlier, but it's very, very hard and you need to have a really strong understanding of both the staples and the meta before you can even begin to brew. Mm. Uh, and you'll need to learn that by playing in the established meta with the established decks and cards. So, yeah. Pick a deck from the CDH decklist database, preferably. Ideally, one of the ones that's uh, in the top of the meta as yep. well. I don't think it's good to throw yourself in the deep end by jumping in with a, a Brewer's like a Corner suboptimal, deck. like weird build. You just don't know with some of those decks. Like some of them have been built and then abandoned immediately as someone realized they were not optimal. Yeah. And they've swapped to a different strategy, which is probably in the top of the meta. <laughs> yeah, I think a bit of a side story. This is what I wish... I was told when I was getting into CDH Mm. um, this piece of advice of go pick a deck. Like there are already established ones out there. Go pick one. Because the way I got into CDH and I'm actually 
now thinking about it, worried that a lot of listeners might be getting in CDH for similar reasons as me, mm. is one of my casual decks was getting too powerful for casual tables. Yeah. Now, thankfully, my casual deck was Niv-Mizzet Perun that was getting too powerful. Now, that has been an established CDH deck for ages. Curiosity mm. is a one-card win condition with your commander. So is Ophidian Eye. So is Tandem Lookout. Like yep. you've got you've got really clear lines. It's a very strong control list. There's lots of Niv-Mizzet lists out there. I think there's actually like four that currently sit on the database with Niv-Mizzet at the helm. Mm-hmm. There's four variations of him. Um, I'm worried that there'll be a lot of uh, casual listeners that have like a I don't know, maybe a dinosaur type deck. Yeah. And they're like got Gishath at the helm and that's now getting too powerful because they've used things like Teferi's protection to protect mm. their board or they've included deflecting SWAT. And, and they've got a and, smothering tithe in there. Yeah. And, you know, like they've they've got a, uh, yeah, like you said, deflecting SWAT, free spells, you know. Yeah. So I think that they might go, okay, well now Gishath can be CDH. Mm. Look, technically any commander can be CDH. You can build it as optimally as you can, but Mm -hmm. some commanders will just be bad CDH decks. Any CDH deck is possible and you can still go into a CDH game and play it, but it will just be bad and it just can't work. So I'll go out on a limb and say that a Gishath deck would not work in CDH. It's pretty rough. (laughs) You would need so many things to go right for it, even to do anything remotely good to the extent where probably you'd end up just building a Naya stacks list in With which Jetmir case or something like that jet well, is super viable Jetmir, or you know you might even just end up on tana the blood sower and um you know who's like a red white maybe even um bruce, bruce. yeah Br- maybe tana bruce you know yeah that's all right but it would be a lot stronger than gishath is what i'm saying so yes, yes it, it i think i agree with you which is that don't grab a deck of yours and go like i'm gonna turn this into cdh that very, 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 very rarely ever works. I think I like because that's that's how I did it. Mm-hmm. I think I am a minority in where that actually works because I was lucky that my commander was an established CDH commander. Yeah. So yeah, take take my story with a grain of salt mm-hmm. and actually think about what deck you're building and and yeah, don't forget five point one the level 5.1 of mm. looking at the deck list. Yeah. If you've got a casual deck with I don't know, let's say you're running. Uh, let pick a casual commander off the top of your head. Well, go on, pick a random. Well, let's let's itch to kick and Rebecca. Um, <laughs> there you go. There's one My of Walt's decks. Deck. Nice. Let's say that becomes too powerful. Yeah. I can guarantee you are not going to find those two on the CDH database. No, absolutely not. If you're in Selesnia, you're playing stacks, and that's basically the only thing you can do Correct. in those colors. So yes. Uh, yeah, understand what the meta looks like and what commanders are and aren't viable. Because, yeah, yeah you, you might have a commander you really love. There are so few commanders who are CDH viable because in a CDH commander, you need to have, you know, ideally like an out for an infinite combo. You know, looking at Godo, yep. looking at Urza, looking at your Niv-Mizzet deck. Um or a very, very powerful card engine in the command zone. Like this is, Talion. Yeah, or, or even like Thrasios, Thrasios can be yep. an example of this. Tana, uh, not Tana, um, Timna, Timna, the Weaver, is definitely an example of this. Uh, that's most of it, to be honest. Or, or Mana Advantage, Mana like advantage. Kinnon or yes, something like true, that. True, true, Those, true. So, like, those three Kinnon, things. Kinnon goes infinite with Basalt Monolith. So, yes, still, yeah. having your commander be half of an infinite is a big big one. And then Card Advantage Engine is another one. Yep. There there are so few... And then, I suppose, Stacks is its own Rally, category. Yeah, of, re- like, a Stacks piece in the command zone is going to be really powerful. But, yeah, with the exception of those, you... It, you don't really find many other types of commanders that no. are viable, you know? And I think that this is probably a really good segue into talking about, like, 
the the different speeds of uh, CDH. Because, like, mm. there is always, in a meta, there is always what you would refer to as the tempo of a meta. Mm-hmm. Um, tempo refers to, like, the speed in which people are trying to win, trying to interact with people, and trying to basically go for it. You know, like, yeah. that's what we call the meta. So, in CDH, as of right now, there are three major categories of the meta. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of go in turbo mid-range, and then stacks. They're like the three speeds. Obviously, turbo being the very... Like, fast is the name of the game here. Like, mm-hmm. you, you're running cards like Culling the Weak, Simeon Spirit Guide, which yep. you can exile you from your hand for a red mana. This is fast mana, ways of making more mana than you spend to cast the spells, yep. but it's temporary, but you don't care because you just want to go fast. Super fast, efficient, one to two card win conditions. Like, Ad Nauseam should be able to win you the game if you resolve it. Yep. Thassa's Oracle plus Demonic Consultation, yep. those kinds of things. Mid-range is a little bit slower. It can win early. Like, it will still run like a Thassa's Oracle and demonic but usually they're running value engines in these decks so like cards like rhystic study sylvan library um these are kind of advantage pieces that are really good in this kind of slower game mm-hmm. a lot of instant speed interaction like force of will or dismember or these really f- hyper efficient interaction pieces to keep the game going at this mid-range speed mm. they want to control the pace of the game yeah and i they often win through like combos that maybe are a little bit more elaborate to set up maybe mm-hmm. they're looking at doing underworld breach lion's eye diamond brain freeze stuff or a lot of the time as well they're winning with the same combos as the turbo list they're just willing to grind their way to getting to those win play conditions. a little bit longer yeah, yeah. They, they could still do thassa's oracle and demonic consultation but they want to make sure everyone spends their removal first they get a whole bunch of cards in their hand and then they'll go for the win mm. whereas the turbo deck is like the faster the better the, most of the time. fast is the name of the game vroom, yeah. vroom, vroom. and then i guess the the final tempo speed is like you're not driving you're walking on the sidewalk it stacks yep. Walt's alluded to this before this is all about slowing the game down to a halt um even locking your opponents out from wins using rule of law effects or even dranith magistrate mm-hmm. um once achieved this kind of like I've stopped the game to my speed, then they can win through either combat damage or a combo. The problem is with stacks, and I'm just going to say this is like as of the episode recording and as of the episode Mm -hmm. release, stacks just ain't it at the moment. Um, This might be a hot take in IMO. Um, Stacks is just not showing wins in tournaments at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that timers exist in tournaments. Yep. Um, usually Stacks decks, like I said, want to go for a very long time. They can't present a win in under 80 minutes. Our really good friend Johnny actually won uh, a CD- his CH tournament, uh, Rad Nauseam, with a Stacks list, specifically because it had infinite combos in there. So yes, he was, he was on able- Hulk lines. Yes, yep. so he was able to grind the game to a halt, and then his win was through a combo, so he didn't have to grind it out in a really really long game in order to actually get that win because yeah mm. a draw doesn't uh, while it can be satisfying as a stacks player to grind everything to a halt if you don't win you don't win and, yeah uh, you're not getting into top 16s by nope, drawing every game it's not worth anything there um but yeah they're, they're like the three major speeds there's turbo mm. mid-range and stacks and they, i think these are kind of like the things that you would like if, if you heard those descriptions and like, oh, I really like the sound of turbo. If, mm. I, if it's all fast and I'm trying to win on turn two, yeah. that sounds like a lot of fun to me. Start reading decks that have the turbo tag next to them. Yep. 
Definitely. And and this is going to affect your colors a lot as well. Yeah. The turbo decks are often in Grixis or almost certainly need to have red for the fast mana that it gives you access to. And black for the tutors. Black for the tutors. Yeah. So black, red as, as a minimum and blue can be thrown in there for a bit more interaction. The mid-range decks tend to be often the decks with a lot of colors in there because yep. they can pivot into a bunch of different win cons in red, in white, in black. Well, currently the, the, the top of the meta is blue farm, which mm-hmm. is Timnachrom. Every color except green. Yeah. And all those colors do is keep control of the pace of the game. Yeah. So it's a it's the perfect mid-range deck right yeah. now. You've got every possible removal piece and interaction piece you would ever want because green doesn't really give you access to any of that. Plus your commanders are two card draw engines. Yep. One so, draws you cards on every second spell. One draws you cards if you hit opponents with low to the ground creatures. Yep. Very, very efficient uh, effects as well. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're paying five for Crown and only three for Timna. Um, obviously having two commanders as well can be helpful in its own ways. And then, yeah, stacks, <laughs> you just want to grind the game to a halt. There's sort of an interesting way that these three ways of playing the game interact with one another as it's, well. It, it's been referred to as like a rock, paper, scissors thing. It's a little bit like the the thing you get in 60 card magic of like aggro versus combo versus con- uh, versus mid-range versus control. Yeah. Um, where, yeah, Turbo's tr- starting to go, trying to go really, really fast. Uh, and mid-range is reasonably good at stopping that. I don't know. The, the problem as it comes to CDH is that mid-range is so good that you don't necessarily, like, it, I think the Rock, Paper, Scissors goes both ways with mid-range. Because yes. mid-range, like, plays through stacks really well because it doesn't need to make that many actions on its It can play turn. the long game. It can play the long game and grind out value with things like Timna and with things like Thrasios. Um, and then also it has the interaction pieces to stop the turbo deck. Maybe this is why we're seeing so much mid-range in the meta right now. Mm. Is it's just like, it's quite hard to outvalue a mid-range deck. Like the stacks list can do it, but it has to really stacks it out. Uh, or the turbo list just has to, yeah, come right out the gates before the, the mid-range deck can set up. Really. Yeah, 100%. And look, and just by these descriptions, you should already start being able to kind of go or gravitating towards a certain type yep. of um, speed. So like if you're really liking the sound of turbo, try Rograk Silas. If you're looking at stacks, maybe just have a look at the Yashan list that Walt's running. Mm. Um, if you're looking for more value-based stuff, Blue Farm is just the best one you can pick. So as a suggestion, just like kind of IMO again, bit of a hot take. I would recommend as your first deck picking something that plays really well on what I'm going to call autopilot. Mm. Um, Try not to play a lot of mid-range and control first because these decks require a much deeper understanding of other people's decks at Mm. the table. Look, stacks is great um, because it gives all you need is a basic understanding of other people's decks. Like, you know, maybe you've got a bit of a different opinion there, mm. but like stacks is like as long as you deploy some like low to the ground stacks, you should be slowing people down. I I actually disagree a lot here. Okay, I'm all right. Say. I'll, I, I'll I, I totally to agree with the, the main point here, which is that you should pick a deck that doesn't require knowing the other people's decks really well. I am going to disagree and say that stacks, I don't think, is that. I think in stacks, you need to mulligan really hard and find the right stack. The silver bullet for the right for deck. For the table. Yeah. You know, in certain matchups, Chalice of the Void on zero is going to be absolutely backbreaking. But in others, Chalice of the Void on one is going to be the place to go. Sometimes Rule of Law is what you're going to, be, what, going to want to be. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's Root Maze. Like, yep. there's, there's things you need to be able to aware of that your opponent's decks are going to do. That, like, if anything... 
I don't know. Maybe it's just because I play this deck, yeah, deck yeah, so yeah. I've got my own lens that I'm approaching. And look, through, I'm not like- saying that you don't need an understanding of your opponent's decks. I'm saying that you need a lower understanding than you would if you were playing control and mid range. <sighs> I think that, I like... Think I might still disagree. Okay. I don't right. know. Fair I, enough. I, I, I maybe there's think, a space battle in here Maybe somewhere. there is. <laughs> I think you still need... I think you need a great understanding of your opponent's decks in all of those situations. Yeah. But I think it's easier to know what to counterspell than to know which stacks piece to deploy for the table. Okay, all right. That all would right. be my my personal take on it. But I've only played stacks and not played other things. So if you think I'm wrong, let me know. And I will probably just concede that you're right about it. <laughs> Maybe but there's stacks a space is battle complex. here. Maybe. It might be what's what's harder to pilot, yeah. stacks or mid-range. But definitely, I think, yeah, pick a pick a sort of mid-rangey deck that just wants to grind value because that can be done by anybody. Yeah, I or think- Or pick a turbo list, I think. Try, like, in my opinion, I would like lean towards turbo lists first because Definitely. it's like you're very low on interaction i think mid-range decks that are lower on interaction might be a better pick than sure. mid-range decks that are higher on interaction that's fair just because if you if if you are going to be interacting you need to know what you're interacting with you sure. need to know the other decks really well definitely so C- certainly don't play control like don't don't, don't play niv mizzet perun yeah. at the game again learn from my mistakes <laughs> um like don't play niv mizzet it's it is a deck that you need to understand what other people are doing more than what you're trying to do if you, i'm honest you can't control a board that you don't understand exactly um turbo's great for this because like yeah you are basically playing solitaire yep. with yourself just go fast just go fast gotta go fast um if i can recommend some decks to have a look at sure. um, i'm currently playing timna jessica um i'm playing the mad farm version of this list uh, <laughs> cdh has some great nicknames for I, decks. I think that every deck that contains timna is just called farm she's because a weaver. she's a weaver she, yeah, yeah. She so that makes on once you know that it makes more sense like jessica is like angry red it's like yep. okay cool mad farm mad farm. angry farm and then yes blue farm is just like Crom is the red, farm is but blue. with some blue yeah. in there yeah um i think timna jessica is great um the reason why i think it's great is because it is a turbo strategy. If you mulligan hard enough, you'll find the fast mana to maybe yep. get an early Adnors and win from there. Mm-hmm. Um, it wins through kind of reanimating Lion's Eye Diamond from your graveyard to generate infinite mana yep. to use Jeska as an outlet to burn your opponent's face over and over and over again, yeah, which is cool. fun. Um, the great thing about this deck, it has a really good mid-range pivot point mm. because you've got a great card advantage engine with In Timna. Timna. Yeah. You can, if you don't get the win really early, you mm. can play a bit of a longer game with this deck. Yep, Jeska's um, pretty good at that too. Yeah, she's removal in the Controls command zone. The yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. Um, the other thing, if if you're looking for more complex wins, and this is a thing that is, I think, appealing for a lot of players, like a lot of players will look at Anala, for example, and go, mm. wow, that's really complex. I think sometimes this is what brings people to CDH, right? Is there I like, want to learn how this wild combo I want works. weird combos, yeah. and I'm aware that in casual, most people don't like combos very much, but in CDH, they're everywhere. Yeah, so look, another deck, if, if that's you, Cormella, Glamour Thief, Turbo... I don't is, know what this card does. It's wild. It basically it's a hasty mana dork in Grixis. You okay. pay one and tap it, and it gives you Grixis and one, I think, maybe. Um, oh, this card. Yeah. Okay, so it's for one and then Grixis, blue, black, red. She's a two four with haste. You pay a generic mana and tap her, and you add Grixis colors. Correct, so yep. blue, black, red. Spend this mana only to cast instant and or sorcery spells. And when she dies, return up to one target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. Okay. So the whack thing you can do here is you <laughs> can have basically one card win conditions with, um, with, with uh, Cormella. Cormella. 
the one card win condition is Demonic Tutor. If you cast Demonic Tutor, you can go get a Culling the Week that sacrifices Cormella to reanimate oh, her. Oh, whack. You basically can do these really, as long as you've got Cormella and one of those one card win conditions in your hand, right. you can deploy a win. <laughs> it's really, really <laughs> that fun. That sounds really fun. I've been looking at um, proxying it up and piloting it because yep. I think it sounds like how I would want to play Turbo. Definitely. Um, look, they're, they're, these are like established, really cool CDH lists. But if you're looking for more of a casual way of playing CDH, Yuriko mm. is fun as hell yeah. in CDH. And it plays exactly like the casual Yuriko deck, totally. just with more powerful cards. Well, and speaking of Yuriko, actually, there was an article that came out just yesterday when we were recording this on Commander's Herald. I'm going to link it in the show notes. Um, of, I think it was Cal from Playing With Power. Cal's from Playing With Power. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cal wrote it and it, he he gave uh, recommended beginner CDH decks. Oh, there you go. Go so read that article. <laughs> Yuriko was in there. Uh, also included, yeah, like a Dargo, Thrasios kind of yep. turbo-y, combo-y kind of deck. Um, there was Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's like three or four others in there. So yeah, check that out. But, I'll link in the show notes. Yeah, if, you, if you're looking for more casual experiences in CDH, Yuriko is a great list. Um, I I would also recommend Kinnan, Bond of Prodigy. Yep, also in that article. Yeah. Kinnan Big Flips is what it's often referred yep. to as, or Perplexing Kinnan if you're running Perplexing Chimera, if yep. you really want to spice your <laughs> CDH games up. This is definitely one of those decks where, like, yes, you're going to have some of the free interaction, like counter spells and stuff, but Kinnan so just wants to do Kinnan things yeah. that this is a deck, like we were talking about before, that kind of pilots itself. So you can Auto learn pilot. the lines and and not have to worry so much about, like, deploying in the right order and, like, playing the right thing. Like, yeah. you can mostly Absolutely. just to your hand. Every CDH deck will have interaction. Like even yeah. even Tim Najeska has Pyroblast. Like it yes. has counter spells in it. But like finding a deck that generally says I want to do this thing and this thing really really well is going to be easier to pilot for a beginner. Definitely. In my opinion. Definitely. Right. What's level five point three? I think five point three is something you actually alluded to just a minute ago when you were referencing primers. Mm-hmm. I think for level 5.3 is knowing your deck better than your opponents. Mm. So you know your deck better than everyone else at the table. Yeah. And I think the only way you can do that is by really understanding the primers. Because like, yes, mm. you might, now that you've picked a deck, now that you've played your deck, you might understand, okay, I'm trying to use Arox Salvages to reanimate Lion's Eye Diamond to yep. get infinite mana. But do you know all of the little squiggly lines and mm. the, the alternate paths that can take you to get to that win condition? Sometimes reading a primer is just enough in that it teaches you what you should tutor for. Yeah. So obviously, Demonic Tutor is always going to be subjective. You need to know your deck in order to choose with Demonic Tutor. But if your deck is playing any conditional tutor, like Mystical Tutor, Enlightened Tutor, Worldly Tutor, it helps a lot to know... There's probably know a reason. There's, yeah, and there's... It, you're going to need to know the creatures in your deck or the instants in your deck mm. to know what you should get at any particular time. And almost any primer will tell you what you should tutor for. I guess... I just realized you might not know what a primer is. Oh, sure. Uh, so, uh, for the people that don't know what a primer is, on Moxfield, you might have noticed on lists that you've looked at in the past, there's a little information I next to the like top, uh, top left of the screen, mm -hmm. and it says view primer. Yep. Click on that. You will be overwhelmed by mm. the bloody thesis that someone has <laughs> written on this deck. Like, yeah. 
primers will go through pretty much everything from what the deck wants to do. Mm. How does it win? How does it come back from being stopped? How does it use interaction? Like mm. when to use interaction? How to deploy complex layered combos? Tells you how the rules work for it. Like yep. it'll go into like the specifics. This combo works because rule 503.2 yeah, yeah. works like this. You have to deploy it in this order because otherwise the rules won't let you do it. Yep. It uh, justifies the existence of basically every card in the deck. And often a bunch of the cards that are being considered for the deck. Like yes, it'll be like, that's true. here's why I'm not on this deck, this card at the moment, but why you might want to try it. Like, you know, yep. are you in a meta that's full of Thrasios? Maybe you want to be on, um, what's the, Pything Needle, you know? Pything Needle, yeah. Pything yeah. Needle. Maybe yep. that's something that you want to have if that's something that you're seeing. Yeah, I think that, primers are so commonly underrated by CDH players or people that are getting into CDH because mm. they're like, I get how this deck works. Trust me, the first time I read one of the Niv-Mizzet primers, there's mm. the, the main Niv-Mizzet pilot in the CDH community is a guy called Deke. Yep. Um, I've read his primer a couple of times now. Ooh. Oh my Lord, it made me such a better pilot. Mm. Like I now understand. And there's like, there were things that I was running in my deck that he said he used to run and he now doesn't. Mm. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do it either. And I saw it get better as a result. Yeah. Like there is no better person to go to than the expert of your deck to find totally. out how to pilot it. There's some of these people have been piloting these decks for actual years. Yeah. Like years and years they have been playing it and grinding it in tournaments against really good players and they have found which cards work for them. Um, it's not to say that they're always perfect, but th certainly if you're starting out, you'd be silly to dismiss this wealth of knowledge you yeah. have access to. Also, I'll, I'll point out that when you're on the CDH decklist data, base and you're scrolling through and um, they actually have two icons they use when you sort of expand out a command like let's let's say you hit kenrith mm -hmm. there's like a bunch of um decks that are provided there'll be usually more than one deck there's different colors they use i forget whether it's black or which one's black and which one's white but when it links the deck list it actually has a different color depending on whether that deck has a primer in it yes and pretty much every as far as i'm what i've seen pretty much every commander that has a database entry in has it has a primer has at least one of the decks with a primer in yeah. it so yeah no matter who you choose you should be able to find assuming you're going for the database at least one person who has an up-to-date primer for comprehensive that deck. primer yes is the key thing a lot of other people would just like throw a you know, a paragraph up yeah. in their primer of how the deck works, but we're talking comprehensive. Like, there's like a there's like a table of contents. Mm. There's links that you can go to yeah. that like specifically talk about different parts of the deck, and it's up to date. This is a yeah. really important one. The decks that fall off the database most frequently, it's because they're just not being updated anymore. Yeah, and spoiler alert. I'm actually working. Um, part of my goals of 2024 mm -hmm. is I want to write a primer for my Niv-Mizzet list. Oh. Uh, my Niv-Mizzet list differs a little bit. Uh, it's more on a wheel-based strategy mm -hmm. for more of a mid-range meta. Yep. Um, using wheels and Niv-Mizzet to remove threats and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking at writing my own primer, which is very cool. exciting. And look... and. This is the exciting thing. Like, I could then submit my deck to cdhdatabase.com mm. and my deck could be up there. Who knows? Yeah. But we're really lucky. Like, we can access these people online. You can click on discords and meet these people. Like, for totally. example, if you like the sound of playing Yuriko and CDH, straight up, one of the people I play with quite frequently on the Australian CDH Discord server, Strix, he co-manages that primer. Mm. He has been running Yuriko pretty much since Yuriko came out. And he is an expert on Yuriko. He's definitely won some tournaments with it. Definitely done some incredible stuff. So, yep. yeah. The experts are out there. Utilize them. Definitely. Silly not to. Um, 
Level 5.4. I feel like we need to go into what actually... We've talked a lot about the decks. Mm -hmm. I feel like we need to talk about, like, actually playing in the game. Like, how do you be a good CDH player? Full stop. Not deck chooser and, like, all this stuff. Like, how do you actually, like... Okay, I'm playing CDH. I've got my deck. I've read my primer. What's going to make me improve now that I'm playing at the table with other CDH players? It's really interesting you use the word good because I actually think good... In CDH, uh, there's actually two branches of good. Maybe this is a 5.4.1, 5. <laughs> 5. Okay, 5.4.2. good 4. and lawful 2. good? Or? Basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm thinking about specifically being technically good, at, like playing the game and mm-hmm. being like, you know, threat assessing correctly and doing your combos in the correct order. Yep. That's one thing. But there's another thing of being a... I'm going to say, like, philosophically good commander player in oh, CDH. Like, morally good? Morally good. And, oh. I'll, like, I'll expand on this a little bit because... As you should know by now, if you've read the philosophy document that we linked at the very start of this episode, Mm -hmm. you should have read what the CDH mindset is. And being a CDH player means that you're going to have to play with this mindset because, A, you expect other people to play with the same mindset, Mm -hmm. and B, they're expecting you to play with the same mindset. And understanding what this mindset is is really important. Because if you're like the whole format, like the whole way of playing commander as CDH basically lives and dies on this mindset. It's a mutual buy-in, right? It's like- It's the social contract of CDH. Yeah. In the absence of rule zero, it's important that this is enforced because this ensures that everyone is actually arriving with the same expectations. Like when we talk about rule zero in casual, it's about like making sure the decks match each other and the, the game plans match each other. In CDH, that doesn't necessarily matter, but it is important that we're all bringing the same mindset to yes, the game. Yes, how we're going to play. And I think there's a couple of things on this list there's like some seriously strong don'ts um there's lots of you know in casual there's lots of do's like you know do tell people about combos do tell people about your stacks pieces Mm -hmm. do do this do do this in cdh it's very much like a don't do these things (laughs) because you are going actively against the mindset so straight off the top don't spite play Mm. in cdh spite playing is like a not acceptable thing to be doing. No. So this is basically, I mean, every spite play is going against the thing that makes the most sense for making you win. Correct. And towards the thing that makes the most sense to your angry brain. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, so, like, you scuffed me. I'm going to throw my yeah. lightning bolt at your thing, even and look, though it's not the best target. Me and James don't like this in casual commander at the best of times. But in CDH, it's actually, yeah, as you say, it's actively against the mindset of. Every well, was it in the the the, the philosophy, um, philosophy that we talked about yep. before, right? Every action you make should be to progressing you towards winning the game, and everything you do should be aiming to win the game. Spite plays are against this, Goes right? Goes exactly to the opposite. It's not a spite play if it's the right thing for you to do yeah. to advance your game plan, but it is a spite play if it's against that and instead just about the fact that that person removes your threat. Even in like little bantery situations where it's like, oh, you swung at me with Sarah Ascendant and yeah. hit me for six. I'm just gonna do this because you did that. Yeah. Even in like. In casual, that's pretty funny. Like, mm. that's a bit of a joke. That's like, you know, those kind of plays are fine. But in CDH, just don't do it. No. Secondly, do not make random decisions. And mm. when I'm talking about random decisions, I'm talking about the things we do in casual. Like, you know, we've just started playing the game. I'm the only one that's got a creature down. I'm not sure who to attack. Let me roll a dice to decide who to attack. Oh, 
In CDH, you have a much easier way of working out who to attack, <laughs> which is which of these players is on ad nauseum. That it needs to utilize correct, their life total. Always correct to attack the red ad nauseum player if you have the opportunity and they don't have blockers because that could be three or four or five cards off the mm. top if you deal enough damage to them. Yep. There you go. Don't make random decisions. Just nope. swing just it at the That's it. <laughs> That's it. Um, third, do not king make. Mm. This is a bit more of a complex one because tournaments exist. Sure. Um, and the reason why it's more complex is because there are so many situations in casual and in CDH where one player who can't win basically can decide who wins as a result of their actions. Mm. Basically, the right way to go about this in CDH is make every action every action you take when you're put in that situation is actively not king making someone. Mm. There's a big reason behind this. There's a couple of reasons about uh, tournament play. So like you know you, it's basically like unfairly teaming up with someone yeah. to give them a win, whereas they would have got a draw otherwise. Mm-hmm. That's a bit unfair. So if you're like playing in a tournament and you're put in a pod with, let's say, Walt and I go into a tournament and we're put in the same pod. And then I end up in a situation where I could king make Walt. Mm. I'm like, oh, well, I can't win this game, but I may as well let my buddy win. No. Don't do that. Don't do that. That is like, people will get really upset. Mm. That goes against the integrity of the competition. Yep. It also skews data. I don't want my data skewed when I'm looking at competition (laughs) results. Um, So, yeah, don't king make. No, just don't do it. That's easy. Finally, do not scoop to deny an opponent of an advantage or give someone else an advantage. Mm. Very similar to king making here, but conceding in CDH is a lot less smiled upon. Like, you know, Mm. in, for example, in casual, we've even said a couple of times, like, conceding can be like a way for you to get out of a game you're not comfortable with Mm. playing or just not having a good time in. Yeah. CDH, sometimes you do have to stick out having a bad time for the integrity of the game. Usually you should stick it out because it just, it can change so much of the maths of what's required for someone to win that you are kind of, again, going against the ethos of the format that is about driving towards a game where everyone is trying to play to win. Look, in CDH, it's very, very rarely right to concede. Like, yes, 100%. it's basically just that that brand of conceding that's about personal circumstance. Like, I'm really not in a good headspace right now, yeah. or I have to leave the game store right now. Like, all of those are totally still fine. But the kind of like the game's not going my way thing, mostly you should actually stay in that game. Especially in a competition. Yeah, for the sake of competitive integrity. And also, you just don't know what you can hit off the top. Like, the average quality of a CDH card <laughs> is so high you- that you could get Demonic Tutor. Tutor rat ad nauseum, everyone spent all their removal, ad nauseum win. Like, yeah. it can happen, and you should be open to the possibility of it happening. Yeah, 100%. And I think the other thing that I wanted to highlight here, because this is the last don't do it, but uh-huh. there is situations where scooping is fine, yep. and it's scooping when you're playing against a stacks player, and they have just locked everyone out, mm. and you just don't want to have to sit there while they win the game over the next eight turns. And you can mutually scoop in that case as well. And I that's, think- the, that's the acceptable way of doing it. Yeah. It's like, all right, hey- Offer it to the table, like, hey, I don't have a way to get out of this do you have a way out of this i think i'm cool to go to the next game and say the stacks player won here that's fine that's not what i'm talking about what i'm talking about is like you know ah screw it i'm i'm done with this game i'm out and then that just changes the maths of the game it's wrong but look the reason why i'm saying this not is is not because it's like a gatekeepy thing of like this is the way i want cdh to be played it's very much part of the way this way of playing exists Mm. if this doesn't happen 
it doesn't exist. Like no. CDH can't exist without people abiding by these rules. Basically, it's, it's a mutual buy-in. Yeah. It's it's kind of the pot in the middle of the game that you yeah. can't see, but you has to be there or it's not the game you're playing anymore. And just before we go on to being a technically good CDH yeah, sure, player, the other one, type of good. One more thing about being a good socially good CDH player is joining a community. Mm. Um, I really encourage you to do it. Uh, the Australian CDH Discord server is linked in our show notes yep. for this episode, so go check it out. They're a great community. They encourage so many good behaviors of CDH play. I think that they're a prime example of what CDH is. Yeah. Um, but also, it's a really great idea for you because you can get advice and tips and tricks on your deck. Definitely. That's going to make you a better technically good player. Yep. And you can even join communities that are specifically around your commander. Like, there is a whole Niv-Mizzet Perun Discord server, mm-hmm. and you can catch me in there talking yeah. about why Isochron Scepter is bad now. Um, we- yeah. We Check. mentioned we mentioned it before, but Strix has that Yuriko server. Like yep. they're they're common. There's a lot of um, very popular commanders who have an entire server dedicated to ch- ch- chatting about specifically CDH with that commander. So yeah, yeah, it's a good place to be. So we'll go to five point four point two. Okay, um, which is with- being a technically good CDH player. So we're moving away from that ethical uh, area that we were in and towards just like general tips. I'm guessing, which is like the end of our episode. Which is finally we're here making you a good <laughs> CDH player. Sure, look. There's no other piece of advice that I can give other than practice, really. Mm. Um, I'll kind of point you in directions of some skills to improve on in a second, but genuinely practice makes perfect. The only way you're ever going to get good at anything is by practicing. Something that I will highlight is mastering your deck and your opponent's decks mm. is really key in CDH. Especially if you play in a regular playgroup, like yeah. you are likely to have... Well, not only is it going to let you get better at playing in that playgroup and winning more games with them, most people in CDH are on decks that either are very commonly played or are very similar to decks that are very commonly played. Or straight up copy-paste. Yeah, like, like a lot of them are straight up copy-paste, but even just like if you learn any blue farm deck, you know most of the mid-range decks in the format, yep. probably. Yep. If you know... Any, you know, um, kind of... Rog Silas. Yeah, any sort of um, Underworld Breach lines yep. kind of deck. When you see a Lion's Eye Diamond in any game, you'll go like, okay, I kind of know what sort of thing I'm in mm. for here. Like, learning the singular decks that you see actually teaches you a bunch about the format at large as well. Yeah, I think a good piece of advice that I would give to learn opponent's decks is look at the colors, get a good spread of the colors mm. because the colors do very similar stuff. Like Jeskai does very similar Jeskai piles in all situations. Yeah. It's always, every time in Jeskai, you are always going to expect an intuition mm. that gets Underworld Breach, yeah. Savine's Reclamation, Lion's Eye Diamond, that kind of stuff. Like yeah. it always is the same stuff. So if you can get experience with a Grixis deck, get experience with a Golgari deck, mm. get experience with a this deck, they all do very similar things. Definitely. Um, also, just learn from your opponents, like genuinely like ask them about their deck, watch gameplay, mm. um, watch decks that are being played that aren't yours. Like, yep. you know, I used to watch exclusively Niv-Mizzet CDH content. I don't anymore. Yeah. Um, l- listen to podcasts. Um, we're not going to talk always about CDH. We're no, more we're mostly a-, a casual podcast with occasional dipping into CDH. Yeah. Yeah. But like there are great podcasts out there. Play to win, all that kind of stuff. Go check it out. Yeah. Playing with power. I have one as well. Yep. There's breakdown videos of decks and all that kind of stuff. Read more primers do all that kind of stuff but if you're looking for specific skills to Mm. improve on there are some skills that i have observed that make a great cdh player sure and i think the only way you can do this is practice them yourself or just watch other people be really good at this and see why you should be practicing them yeah the first one 
politics does exist in CDH. Oh, yeah. And you need to be aware that it does and mm. you need to get good at it. Um, there are things like priority bullying yeah. that can come up quite a lot. And this is where you're like getting your opponents to use their resources or leave yours alone to ensure that you and your opponents don't lose immediately. Mm. So priority bullying is a thing. Like, you know, if, if you're the last person to gain priority, when someone puts an ad, ad nauseum on the stack, you can go, oh, well, this is bad. You need to counter this. Like, yeah. do it. Like, you. I know you've got the counter because you revealed it from Kinnon just to, uh, like you revealed it from um, Thrasios just a minute ago. Yeah. Throw that force of will at it, baby. Yeah. Meanwhile, my hand is stacked with counter spells. Yeah. You know, that that kind of stuff is really important. Um, threat assessment, I think, would be the next one, right? Sure. Yeah, threat assessment's really important, definitely. Like, I think... This is probably we can point you towards the noticing absence episode that we did Ooh, uh, semi recently, good which shout. is basically talking about threat assessing as looking at the things that you can see, but also what they represent about the things that you can't see. So you know you can see how many cards in hand someone has, and how many cards and what cards they have in their graveyard, and you can kind of guess what they might be up to. So yeah, if you mm. see a Savine's reclamation in someone's graveyard and a Lion's Eye Diamond, you can probably assume that there is an underworld breach either in their hand. or or in their deck. Yep. Uh, and it's going to be their thing that they're gunning towards. So, you know, like, think about the meta at large when you look at the things that you can see in front of you. Yeah. Actually, noticing absence, freaking great reference for CDH. <laughs> I actually didn't realize when we were recording that episode of how much that mindset mm. is CDH mindset. Yeah. Um, really good point. Um, I guess the other thing uh, is th- that's a really good skill to have is understanding what does and does not affect you. This was mm. something that came up really strongly in our stream the other night. Yeah. Um, the chat was very insistent that, you know, someone countered something that wasn't important mm. to them. And what I mean by this is like, you know, there are really strong stacks pieces in CDH, like Grafdigger's Cage, for yep. example. Grafdigger's Cage is a one mana artifact that stops permanence uh, from libraries or spells being cast from libraries and permanence in graveyards entering the battlefield mm-hmm. and all of it's a really good silver bullet to a lot of decks. Yeah. Does your deck give a shit about it? Yeah, because if it doesn't, it's actually in your best interest to protect that one sitting on the field. On someone else's board. Like, yeah. I have I have counterspelled someone else's removal spell targeting someone else's Grafdigger's Cage mm. because I was playing Niv-Mizzet and Niv-Mizzet doesn't give a damn about Grafdigger's Cage. It's really... This is something that I think you see sometimes in casual but is kind of unique to CDH, which is that you really need to know what the stacks pieces on the field are preventing and whether you care about them. And yeah, it's very rare in Casual Commander, unless you're politicking, that you protect someone else's permanent. Mm-hmm. But in this case, yeah, this is really commonly seen when someone starts deploying stacks pieces. In the, the game that we were playing, uh, that we were um, streaming and commentating on, there was a cursed totem on the battlefield. Very relevant stacks piece so in that game. prevents activated abilities of creatures from being activated. And there was a Thrasios deck at the table. So someone was going to remove, the Thrasios player was get, going to remove cursed totem. And yeah, the um, blue player prevented that from being removed because they were like I don't care about activated abilities of my creatures (laughs) but he certainly does if he's about to spend a removal spell on it and his commander has an activated ability and he's got a ton of mana and can just potentially win right now and has has a Zerda on the battlefield like it was a basalt monolith away from drawing his entire deck assuming that the cursed totem was to go so yeah yeah, it's important to be aware of what other people are turning up and gosh I feel this so much as a stacks player (laughs) Sometimes someone goes like, man, I've really got to deal with that, um, you know, what's the enchantment that 
makes artifacts and quick root maze. I've really got to do with that root maze. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, hold up a second, because we've got a person at the table here who is very likely to be deploying a dockside extortionist. And how much is it, how important is it to us as a table that those treasures enter tapped? Because it's probably really important. Or for example, like you know, we have we know that someone has a dual caster twin flame combo. Yeah, this means that they can't win with that. Yeah, that won't be an, like, in, in, a win now if that happens. So yeah, be really aware of like really look at a stacks piece and go like even like because with the examples we've just given are like stacks pieces that don't affect you at all even stacks pieces that only affect you a bit like a rest in peace you know yes that might turn off some of your um, graveyard recursion that you have but someone might be on a lion's eye diamond infinite win they can't win with a rest in peace so if if you can see a win that's a bit harder but for one of your opponents it's impossible Mm -hmm. leave that stacks piece alone you need it to stay on the battlefield for your own sake I like that play harder not Smarter. (laughs) (laughs) Harder and smarter. Uh, Harder and smarter. Um, Yeah, I guess two final tips to like go in the direction of like improving your skills at CDH. Yep. I think getting really good at baiting stuff is really strong in CDH. Like play out the card in your hand that matters less first. Correct. And also, you know, it's a bit of a performance thing. Like, Mm. you know, get your theater uh, persona in here (laughs) because you can really play it up. You can be like, oh, I'm going to go for it. And like you can just Mm. drop subtle lines like that. Yeah. And you can put something on the stack that freaks people out. Mm. They use all their interaction with it. And then you go, cool, thanks for emptying hands. I win. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Here's my actual win con. And again, I guess the, the sub of the sub of that is sandbagging. Oh, yeah. I think that's a really strong skill that casual players don't need as much. No. Um, but in CDH, there is some real strong reasons to sandbag and yep. to keep your... Like, you could have your win in, like, in your hand ready to deploy... But if you look across the table and that blue farm player has shown you that he just revealed a mm. um, counter spell to his hand, like, yeah. don't play that. And then you could look at the other direction and there's that stacks player that has like an activated, uh, what's the emergent zone? Oh, yeah. And they could just and be looking at you in, and yeah. she could just be like, go on, yeah. try it. <laughs> try it. Watch me deploy a stacks piece that, that turns off your whole you. deck. Yeah. yeah. I think like sandbagging, this is probably, I know we were talking about turbo decks before as being really appealing if you just want to go fast, but even good turbo decks, sometimes it's worth just going forward in a turbo deck because if someone doesn't have interaction, you'll just win. But even then, like you can be on a turbo deck and be ready to win and have the Adnals in hand and it might still be right for you to wait Yep. if you just know that someone's got a bunch of interaction that they're holding up. Yeah, um... Look, I guess the next step, if like if we're at level five now, I reckon level six would be brewing CDH. Okay. But we've been talking for an hour and 20 minutes. That's a whole other episode. Sure. Maybe we'll, we'll visit that down the line right. in the future. Brewing maybe when, for CDH. Maybe when I've won a tournament with a brew, we sure. can visit that, which will be in 20 years. <laughs> um, speaking of, though, my last tip for becoming a better technically good player is enter some tournaments. Yep. Um, Look, the first one is terrifying. I remember the first CDH tournament I ever played in was nerve-wracking. Yep. Once you've done it once, you are fine. Like, once you've realized that it's just playing CDH and just playing Commander yep. with people, except the games are recorded, mm. it's just fun. Yeah. Um, and it's really good because you will be forced to play with decks that are outside your usual playgroup, mm. which makes you a better player. These it Playing in a competitive situation really tightens those skills that we were just talking about. Like, yeah. you know, when you're in a situation where politics can sneak you a win, mm. you will rely on it and you'll tighten up around those politics. And Yeah, and it'll force you to use priority properly because if you don't, you will get 
you know, a game warning from a, yeah. a judge who is uh, supervising the event. So it's going to force you to play through all your actions in the right order. Exactly. And like highly recommend um, just having a look for in-person tournaments. In-person is definitely my preferred way of playing CDH tournaments. But there is tons online um, and Spell Table is really easy to set up. Don't worry. Literally all you need is a camera and a pl- room for your playmat and yep. you can play on Spell Table. And by a camera, we mean your phone. Like, you yeah, can literally you can do, just use it can a be a phone and a laptop yep. and that's enough definitely but that's like my final tip so cdh it's a very enticing way to play commander but whilst driving diving headfirst is fun it's best to know exactly what water you're diving into first not only will it help you with your expectations of what you're going into but it'll make you a better player as a result so go out there pick a deck read some primers hold priority with thassa's etb on the stack Space Commanders, Command Command Received. I'm glad we've revisited CEDH, especially with I didn't realize how long it had been. I know. Episode 13, like what? It's been 60 episodes since then? Longer? 60-something? That's insanity to think about. 64? Yeah, that's a long time. Considering we are a casual first podcast and- I recognize that CDH is such a fun way to play and it's still like got that casual commander idea of sitting down and playing it for the fun of it. Yeah. But it is just a different world and I think separating that is a really good thing. Yeah. It doesn't need to be its own format with its own ban list, but understanding what it is and what it isn't and how to get into it. These are good things to be talking about. Definitely. And to the listeners out there, do you feel commanded? What do you think of CDH and what's the deck you're playing at the moment? And how long have you been playing it? I also want to know if you're going to pick up a new deck and try it now as well. Mm. And of course, don't forget that we have Dockside Debacle 3. We've talked about it about four times this podcast already, but <laughs> twitch.tv slash get commanded starting tomorrow. You know, it's like uh, 12 and a bit, 17 hours after this episode comes out, I'm going to say. If you're listening to it on the day of no, release. 20... Nine hours. 29 hours. 17th of February, Australian Eastern Daylight Time. 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Or 29 hours after this episode comes out. Um, Tune in. It's going to be really fun. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be a blast. It's almost like we planned this episode to release around the time of that. The Space Commanders are so organized. It's crazy. I'm glad that they are aware of what we're doing. But look, if you want to get in touch with us and talk to us about CDH or even, you know, have a conversation with me specifically or a game... Get in touch with me, Twitter, Instagram, threads, at Get Commanded on all those platforms. You can send us an email, but the best place to do it, joining the Discord server, Greensboro Commander community, um, chat with us, other members of our playgroup. The game that we hosted on our Twitch the other night yep. was all members from that uh, Discord. Yeah. They're awesome guys. Really, really good people in that server and a great place to talk about magic and, and find some games. Mm. Um, but the best way to support the Get Commanded podcast is over on Patreon. It's uh, linked in the show notes if you'd like to support us and the stuff that we do and the t- Twitch streams and the YouTube and all that great stuff. It's the best place to do it. Uh, we'd like to thank our patrons, Stella Tam, Fuzzy, Bottomless Potamus, and Fraser. And an extra special shout out to Fletcher Cutting and Wizard Down Under, who support us in the Space Commander tier. You're the best. You are the best. And that paragraph keeps growing every time we read it out. It's kind great. of amazing. Thank you guys so much for your support. And thank you to Palms Off Gaming for their support, because they sponsor this podcast. These guys create amazing deck boxes, sleeves, binders, and other gaming accessories. And you can go to palmsoffgaming.com.au slash hashtag get commanded and you'll get a 10% cheeky little discount on your purchase Ooh, and you're supporting us at the same time. Beautiful. Pumsofgaming.com.au forward slash hashtag get commanded. Yeah, these are the guys I trust my CDH deck to. My de- my 
CDH deck is in their sleeve. So if you want an endorsement, non proxy yeah. CDH deck. So if you that's, want an endorsement, that's my endorsement. That's about <laughs> as high an endorsement as you could get. All right, should we planeswalk out of the world of CDH and even further out of the commander? Sure. And magic? Let's uh, let's planeswalk out of magic and into the plane of Ravnica. Wait a sec. Wait a sec. For Dungeons and Dragons. I was, okay, hilarious. <laughs> because, yes, you ran a campaign I, recently, didn't you? So I DM'd my first ever, uh, it was a one-shot campaign of Dungeons and Dragons using the, the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, which is a Wizards of the Coast, um, basically, you know, Expansion. guide. Yeah, a yeah. guide to the plane of Ravnica and, you know, running campaigns there uh, that you generously lent me. I ran this great one-shot called Krenko's Way. Uh, we're basically... It's a great one shot. Yeah. The players are trying to track down uh, Krenko, who you would all know. Yes, it's that Krenko Krenko from Mob Boss. Krenko Mob Boss. And now the new one, Krenko Baron of, of Tin, Tin Street. Street. Yeah. There's also Tin Street Kingpin is yes. another card. So we this went is to not Tin... a planes walk away from magic. <laughs> <laughs> we are just talking but about Krenko. But it's D&D. It's D&D. Sure. It's different. Anyway, um, we were on Tin Street, actually, as one yep. of the places that the players go. Basically, yeah, Krenko has broken out. He was being transferred to a maximum security prison. He broke out. The players have to track down Krenko for a slightly dubious figure who has tasked them with this called uh, Nassius. Um, Anyway, it was really fun. I I ran it for my brother. My older brother requested for his birthday that I run a one-shot for the whole family. That's a sick birthday present. (laughs) For reference, uh, I have obviously played D&D before. My partner has played D&D before. Tom, my older brother, has played D&D before. My younger brother, my older brother's partner, and my dad never played D&D before. So I was introducing them to D&D through this one shot and through Ravnica <laughs> and Krenko. And, and hang on, just because we did do it last night, uh-huh. but um, let's hear your Krenko voice. Krenko sounded a little bit like an English mob boss, like the kind of guy who you might see in a kind of, I don't know, slightly shifty looking English show. Like a real gangster, kind of like Peaky Blinders. Yeah, Peaky Blinders, yeah. Kind, of, kind of sounding guy, but really gruff. Got- Blade sewn into his peaky. Yeah, head. exactly right. He was going. You can't trust Nashius, man. He's dodgy. Anyway, <laughs> it was fun. It was very fun. I had, I had someone with a New Yorker accent uh, for some reason. I'm walking in. <laughs> They were the they were the weapons dealer. They were working down in uh, down in down in Tin Street, Foundry Street. They were selling illegal weapons. Ravnica is a very diverse plane. Yeah. You understand. There's lots of lots of accents. That's it. You go um, just over the road, and there's an Irish pub that yeah. you can go and have a conversation actually, with. Actually, the Minotaur who ran that pub spoke like this. He was an Australian. Oh, guy he was an Australian who, uh, Minotaur. Yeah. That okay. That's. On theme, I love that. Anyway, I had an absolute blast. It's maybe one to DM some more Dungeons and Dragons for sure. And Ravnica was really fun. It's a great setting. It's and a like, great plane. As, like just the guilds alone yeah. as a way for players to choose a background, but also kind of like an association of people. Like normally when you play D and D, you choose like a hermit background or like a folk hero background. You, know, you it kind of implies like a town or a yeah. group of people. But when you choose a guild, it's in got Ravnica, so much law. There's so it. much law, but also like it's so easy from the DM's perspective. If you're like going somewhere and the players are like not noticing something, you can just be like, um, with your connections to the Gruul clans, as you reach the outskirts of the city, you see your friend, uh, Frank. Frank from the Gruul clans is here. Like it, just, it opens yeah. up so much possibility of people's backgrounds mattering it's, in the campaign. It's a great storytelling mechanic. The Definitely. Because it provides like 
uh, values and yes. uh, like ethic alignments. It helps that kind of like um, you know lawful good, natural evil kind of chart. I really happen a lot more. I liked that the as people as it you're choosing a guild. Like it lists all the guilds in the Guildmaster Guide to Ravnica. It also tells you what alignment you could choose. It doesn't yeah. say you have to choose, but it gives you kind of three. Like it's like people from the Demir Guild are usually. Uh, neutral and usually evil or neutral. Like, yeah. basically, don't be lawful good and demir. You can't be in demir It's with kind that, yeah. of not what the guild is about. But also, there's still some flexibility. Like, you know, choose who you want to be, but within the constraints of the guild. I, I It was... Really fun. It really, is. really fun. I've ran Krenko's way a couple of times now, and it's it's a fun, fun, uh, like one shot to do if you are a magic player that wants to explore D and D yeah. and what role playing is like. Yeah, grab that book, yeah. Master's Guide to Ravnica. That it, it's really sick. And also, just if you're a lore nerd for MTG. Fuck, that book is great. It's a great it's way to awesome. experience the lore. Like, if yeah. you're someone who likes the lore of magic but is not great at sitting down with a book, D&D is a great way to learn lore yeah. from that world because, yeah, you're going to be experiencing it through your actions rather than being told it by a book. I had my characters um, that I was DMing meet Mizzix uh, oh, in, the, in the journey. Cool. And Mizzix was kind of like a little crazy little... <laughs> it's really that fun. You get, like, him. fully into it. It's, yeah. it's a great way to That's play. That's great. Um, that's all we have time for. So we'll see you next Friday for another transmission from the Space Commanders. Goodbye, Commander players.